Ladies and gentlemen, stand cheer for the Bulldog Fans Podcast. Here's your hosts, Matt and Scott, on their way down the tunnel at ANZ Stadium, on their way to the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Go up as one for Matt and Scott, the NRL Bulldogs Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm joined by Matt. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How is yourself? Yeah, good, good. We're coming close to Christmas. I've heard you're the second busiest person in the world after Santa Claus. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so thanks for coming on again, even though you're the <laughs> weekly host of the show. But even though you're busy, I'm busy. We've able to nab a fan off our Facebook page who's requested to be on the show, and we're actually joined by Kelly. How are you, Kelly? Good, thanks, Scott. And Matt, how are you? Doing very well, thank you. That's good. First of all, thank you for jumping on the show just before Christmas. Um, we really do appreciate it. So we're just thinking before we'll get to know a bit about Kelly, we'll ask her a bit of questions. She's been a fan for the, from the Bulldogs for a very long time. So we'll, I'm sure we'll hear some good stories, go back on memory lane a little bit. Um, hopefully the listeners, listeners appreciate it. But then also we'll jump into some of the latest news. And then, yeah, then we're done for the year 2020. How's that sound, everyone? Great. All right. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll jump straight into it. Uh, Kelly, when did you start becoming a Bulldogs fan? Uh, in 1976, when I was six. When you were six. So why did you start supporting the Bulldogs? Why? My parents used to live around the road from Belmore Sports Ground, and most of my family supports the Bulldogs. Favourite player as a child? There's plenty to pick from. I have a few. I have Steve Mortimer, Steve Gearan, Steve Folks, and David Gillespie. Sounds like some thought has gone into these questions. Oh, there's been... Just prepared, just prepared. Just prepared, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, as a kid, how many games did you go to, and if so, where? Uh, we went as, to as many as we could, and most of the games were at Belmore Sports Ground and also Penrith Stadium. Earliest memory of the Bulldogs? Visiting my grandparents' house and watching the Bulldogs play against St George. I can't remember who won, though. Do you remember watching the 1980 Grand Final? Yes, of course. Who could forget one of the best Grand Final tries by Steve Gearan? The score was... 18 to 4, if my memory serves me correct. Exactly right, yeah. Exactly on the money. But what a, an era to be growing up going for the Bulldogs. The Obviously the 1980 Grand Final, the 84 Grand Final, 85 and 88 Grand Final. Um, why we just meant, I just mentioned all the Grand Finals. Which one was the favourite Grand I Final have, of the 80s? I have two. I have the Roosters and the Parramatta, of course. Parramatta in 1984, dogs, dogs winning that one, six points to four. Correct. Mm. Good research. Uh, what was it like being a fan of the Bulldogs in the 80s, the, known as the golden era? It was a lot different as we were more dominant team back then. Different how? Different how? Well, we actually had some good quality class players. Okay. <laughs> There we go. I shot at the current team. Um, <laughs> Just a little. What was your favourite Bulldogs grand final win? I think we've 
might have already talked about this. Yeah, um, I have two. One was 1980 and one was 2004 against the Roosters. Love winning against them. <laughs> yeah. Is there any other reason why the 1980 grand final in 2004 stick out compared to the ones in the 80s and the 90, 95? 1981, which was the beautiful um, Steve Gearan try. And in 2004, I lost my father in 2003, and I think he was watching over us to win the grand final the following year. Oh, very nice and touching. Mm. Very nice and touching. Who is your favourite current player? Josh Jackson, because he's such a workhorse. Surprise, surprise, Josh Jackson, eh? All-time favourite current. Oh, all-time favourite player. Oh, God. All-time <laughs> favourite player um, would be Steve Mortimer from back when I was young watching him play. Yeah, very nice old man Steve Mortimer is now as well. Uh, most memorable game you have watched, which was not a grand final? Uh, that'll be the Hazem El Masri farewell game. Um, being there with my family, being part of holding up the signs to thank Hazen, the crowd and atmosphere was electric. Over 40,000 people to uh, farewell a Bulldogs legend, uh, not just a Bulldogs legend, uh, a legend of the game of rugby league and just a legend person. Um, Favourite match you've attended? I mean, you've probably spoke about the Hazemore Majory one, but do you have something that maybe comes second or equals the Hazemore Majory game? Yeah, I do. Um, one, um, one of my sons purchased tickets to week two of the finals against Manly, and Trent Hawkinson kicked the field goal for us to win. That was an uh, all-time favourite of ours too, hey, Scotty? Yes, we actually speak about it quite regularly, especially yeah, when one. it's off-season on the podcast or when we had the COVID break. Hodko it was the Hodko, the Hodko cast. <laughs> Favourite home ground to watch the Bulldogs play at? Um, that'd have to be Belmore Sports Ground. What is Belmore Even. like? So you've said you've spoken about the 80s. Yeah. Can you tell us about a bit about the 80s and what it was like returning back there? Uh, returning back there was just returning to the old stomping ground from when I grew up watching them there. Um, you're a lot closer to the action. You get more of an atmosphere at the game. Mm -hmm. And what was it like? Can you compare it between the A's when you were younger and then to today's or were you a bit too young? Or... I'm actually a bit too young. But just but... to return back to the old stomping ground. And the hill? And the hill. Mm. Beautiful. I think we might already have the answer to this one, but who's your favourite team to beat? Well, um, all teams, of course, but especially the Roosters, Parramatta and Manly. <laughs> I actually think Roosters are a little bit higher because the two favourite grand final wins happened against the Eastern Suburbs, the 1980 and 2004 grand final. Uh, what game of the year do you look forward to the most? Like, Which team do you like? the Bulldogs to play against? Well, I like any game that the Bulldogs play because I always get nervous before a match and hoping that the Bulldogs do kick some butt. Uh, to play against, you want to... Yeah, if you've got a team that um, sticks out every year that you go, yeah, we never miss this game. Well, I never miss many games <laughs> of them. But um, if I had to say one, 
I would have to say Parramatta. Parramatta, the arch rivals from the 80s, eh? Yeah. The two golden eras for both clubs. The team out of Perry is Barry Ward grew up supporting. Yes, I know. All Bulldogs legends you said are probably Parramatta fans. Seems that way. Seems that way. <laughs> Except for uh, Brent Sherrod. We know he grew up supporting the Dogs. Well, let's get him on the show. So just so we can hear it. I just need to hear it. It'll be soothing. But anyway, we've got Kelly on the show. We got to know you a little bit. Down there, I'm sure you've taken a few people down memory lane or you've taught some people some things about the Bulldogs and about the 80s who are listening to our podcast. Um, it was awesome stuff talking about your favourite player being Steve Mortimer and everything like that. But do you have any questions for Matthew? Do you have any questions for myself on the show? We do open up the floor to our special guest podcast before we jump into the news side of things. No, not really. No, nothing at all? No, okay. nothing, nothing comes to mind. All right, let's jump straight into the news then. Josh Adekar has joined the pack with a four-year deal, uh, commencing in 2022. It's uh, rumoured to be around a $2 million mark. What about that, eh? A bit of the recruitment news is flying through. You've got Matt Burton about to join the uh, join the club as well in 2022. Maybe 2021, you don't know. Uh Changes by Dave with that one, but uh, having Burton and Adokar both join in 2022, Stringford's up the back line, the halves are looking good. Is the final piece to the puzzle? I'm not sure, but it definitely looks like a top eight team, if not pushing for a top four in 2022 with the, the quality we have in the side. However, can, uh, you know, we keep Adokar straight in the narrow? Like he's been at Melbourne away from Sydney. We all know it's a different uh, ball game when you come to Sydney. Um, so hopefully we can get the best of Adokar on and off the field. Um, very interesting character. But, yeah, I'm hoping we can get the best of both of him, of him both yeah. on the field and off the field. He'll add a lot to the team if we um, if we can keep him focused and uh, performing for the club. So I think it's a good signing in that aspect. Uh, hopefully this is not one that unravels later down the track. No, I hope so too. He's, he's a bit older than... Obviously, he's a bit more mature. Uh, he's starting his own little clothing line, I think, which lets trot. And his little uh, ha- little hashtag at, after the games. Uh, yeah, like I said, he's getting a bit older. He's going to be a massive corporate game for the club. People yeah. like to see someone like Adokar. The members would love to see someone like Adokar. Fans will come to the games just to see Adokar in full flight. So you're looking at it as, a will the team be better? They sh- yes, in all facets. He's someone people pay to yeah. see. So Adokar yeah. is full fit. It's exciting times. Yeah, What's look, your I thoughts still... on Adokar, Kelly, joining the club? Oh, um, I just hope he um, doesn't, you know, put the club into any disrespect. Disrepute? Yeah. And just keep him, you know, mm. and, and just play. He, we know he can play. And we're just yeah. hoping he can keep his fitness up and he can do some good stuff for us. Interesting to see how he goes at fullback too. No doubt he'll get an opportunity to play there. I'm sure the Bulldogs on social media uh, highlight a try he scored for Melbourne against Souths in a fullback-like position where he took the ball and ran, I think, 80 or 90 metres to score a try. Look, 2022, you, you, you said it, Scott, we are building. It's looking like a much stronger team for 2022, but I still think we're a bit light in the forwards. Mm, just quickly, with 2022 and Josh Adokar at fullback, the question to both of you is, fullback, wing. 
I know he wants to play fullback, but where would you have him? You get wing. to have the final say. Wing. wing? Yep. I'd say wing too. But interesting times. If he's half as good as he is on the wing and he plays fullback like that, he will be a start fullback. That's we could we could have in twenty twenty two we could have two of the best wingers in the competition both playing out of that position. Nick Kotrick, I'm guessing you're referring to as the centre. Even maybe Dallin Wattenay or what uh, Wattenay Selesniak. I said the Steve Allen Selesniak. <laughs> um, he could be a winger playing centre as well. <laughs> yep. Plenty of possibilities. We'll roll it forward. Onto the show, some some sad news. Reports have it that Christian Crichton has suffered a season-ending injury already in December. Our early reports say he's ruptured his ACL. The same injury Jaden Ockenbaugh suffered against the Panthers in the final round of the NRL this year. Uh, the thing could be a ruptured ACL, at best-case scenario, could be six months, which would mean he will return, but how much game time will he get? Not much. You'd probably say New South's Cup. Uh, could be nine months. It could even be up to 12 months of injury. It's sad news. The outside backs at Canterbury were looking a little bit light in the sense of the depth. You had Nick Kotrick coming. You had someone like Christian Crichton. Jaden Ockenball looks more than likely to miss the start of next season with his ruptured ACL. Christian Crichton jumps with uh, Ockenball on the injury list. Um, reports maybe suggest that Malachi Wateni Zalesniak has joined the Bulldogs as well with his brother. We don't know. There's no official word on that one either. But the the outside backs, I'm just thinking about it, looks a little bit light starting uh, next season with two of our wingers sitting on the sidelines and for a big chunk. Yeah, terrible news for Christian. Is he is, is he off contract at the end of next year as well? Yes, he's off contract. Uh, it could have been a really good year for him. He would have been against the um, probably against at the start of the season, but you never know. A good training session. We heard of people like Bryson Goodwin who come into the club and push club legend Matt Utai to reserve grade. So a good summer could have had Christian Crichton theirs or theirs abouts pushing for a starting spot. Yeah. So worst um, case scenario, we. Right, I've seen the larks of Christian Crichton in the mm. Bulldogs jersey, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, hopefully Mal- Malachi has signed with the club now. <laughs> well, he might I'll... be straight into the squad there. And also we've got Tui Katoa uh, playing reserve grade and made his debut this year as well. Yeah, that's correct. He did play his debut at the same game. Ockham, uh, Jaden Ockerborg injured. But also we did depart. The Kieran Holland departed, Tim Lifei departed, and Monsello Montoya departed. There's some NRL quality games. <laughs> Just been ripped apart of the, out of the NRL Bulldog squad uh, for next season. And Christian Crichton would have been a key depth player for sure, at least waiting on the wings to take a spot. Unfortunately, looks like you, what you said. Unfortunately, unfortunately, could have been his last time we see him in a Bulldogs jersey. Fingers crossed for him. Wishing him a speedy recovery. Let's hope it's not the ACL injury, and hopefully he's actually available to play some games for the Bulldogs next season. Trent Barrett has talked a lot about having free spots open for next year still. So if we assume Malachi takes one, we assume that the Panthers don't release Burton, there's still two spots there. So perhaps now that those spots are taken up by wingers from other clubs. Yeah, we do need some wingers from other clubs. Um, Moving away from the ACL injury into something a little bit different, ANZ, well, what used to be known as ANZ Stadium, Stadium Australia has reverted back to its name of Stadium Australia with the ANZ deal uh, ending in December. A 12-year deal. It's definitely going to be a difficult one to remember to keep on top of your head. It's such an easy name to remember, ANZ Stadium. I stay in Australia. Just thought of a quick question for both of you. What about Bulldogs Fans Podcast Stadium? Does that sound good? 
Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. Yeah, uh, coming out of your pocket, eh? Yeah, well, I looked I looked and saw it wasn't too much, and I looked at the actual deal they offered, and I thought, oh, a little bit out of my, <laughs> my, my pay range. But okay, so maybe not on that. But um, yeah, interesting. We, um, we might sponsor one seat in the stadium. Oh, cool, NRL, I can take that seat. It's going to be the general mission area. <laughs> the gym. It's going to be definitely a weird one because it's been there for ages. When the transition from Telstra to ANZ, um, definitely going to be interesting. But Stadium Australia, um, good um, opportunity for a brand to jump on. Uh, yeah, look, I'm sure they will. As soon as the world comes out of this COVID pandemic stuff that we're happening at the moment, I'm sure uh, Stadium Australia will get a new sponsor. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised we'll, if we'll, wouldn't be not, surprised if we're not calling it Stadium Australia by March. Mm, but we're not ruling out the Bulldogs fans podcast taking a, a little cheeky sneak for a for a game or two or something like that. Um, we couldn't talk about the podcast. It's been actually been a while since we've been on on the podcast, and a lot has actually happened with the NRL. Eight new rules have been introduced into the NRL this year. I'm glad. I have you here because I know Matthew here who's vocal about a couple of them and I'm going to let him loose a little bit. Don't know much about if Kelly is a bit up or down on the rules or anything like that. I'm a bit yay and nay. But the one I want to start with is the two-point field goal from 40 metres or more out. Matthew, the floor is yours. Um, I've come down a lot over the last couple of weeks, Scott, so that's one thing. Two-point field goals. Look, the only reason that we should ever have a real change in the NRL is if there's an issue, right? So case in point, last year, and there's been, uh, well, for many years, there's been an issue with defensive teams wrestling in the ruck, slowing the play of the ball down, and then happy to give away a penalty because it gives them a 30-second breather mm-hmm. and it gives them an opportunity to set their line in defense. Mm-hmm. So that was the problem. The solution was a real change to six again, and straight away we saw... Defenses not being able to have a breather, not be able to reset, and they had to stop wrestling to get themselves back in, back in line. Now, yes, there's still some wrestle in the game, but compared to what it was, it's much more cleaner throughout the ruck. Correct? Yes, I'm agreeing. So we, yeah. had, we had a problem. We brought in a new rule. Now, what is the problem with the game that now requires us to have a two-point field goal from more than 40 metres out? Nobody has been able to answer this question for me. Well, we've you didn't know... Well, Hodkinson, we don't have Trent Hodkinson anymore. Trent Hodkinson could have been handy. He did slot a few from... We need someone... 40. Well, you need someone that can obviously kick the distance anyway, and I don't think there's many players that can kick that far out. When we've watched field goal attempts before by other p- players, and they're missing it to the right or to the left, you know what I mm. mean? And it might be only just metres or centimetres from it, but can they really kick it from 40 out? So is that... But I think they enti- should just stick to the one point. The one point. But does that yeah. entice any of you to that seeing a person take a snap from 45 out, for example? Like, it's the only thing I can think of is the Hail Mary. It's 18-16. The siren's about to go for full time. or you And you go for the snap from 40 out to try to take a game leveled. Because you wouldn't want to do it when you're down by one. Because it's a big risk <laughs> to do it down by one. Yeah, look... I reckon, like, in reality, I reckon this two-point field goal from outside the 40-metre line will play out like the 2040 did in season 2020. Well, that that's, was... that's the way it's going to play out. 
Uh, so no one's going to take the attempt. It's too risky, uh, just like in 2040. Why would you take an attempt at a 2040, kick it out of the full, you hand the ball over inside your own 20? Um, if you kick it and the other team catches it, they bring it back to your 40. So there's, there's no real advantage. And the same sort of thing's going to be here. If you miss the kick and it goes dead, you give away a seven-tackle set. So it's it's not going to be uh, as influential as some people may think it was, especially when the news first broke. But look, uh, whether players can kick it or not uh, is one thing, and that's probably why it won't happen. But it still doesn't answer my question. What What is this real fixing? Well, the only thing... Actually, I want to add an issue that it actually creates. And I want to paint a picture. I want to use the eighteen sixteen type of scoreline again. Someone going about 40 out, because it's from 40 or more, right? We have one referee on the field. We've, we've continued with the one. We're not going to have the two anymore. He snaps a field goal from 40 out or 39 out. Now, what's the symbol first for a two-point field goal? Because surely there has to be a wave or a symbol or a thing. And second of all... Maybe it's a double whistle. Do we create a bunker situation where we're meant to quicken the game up and just go check if he was 40 out or 39 or 41? You know what I mean? It's very hard for the referee to be staying 10 metres away from the person who kicks it, sometimes even more because you're standing in a 10-metre gap and the person going for the field goal would want another 10 metres. So you're standing 20 metres away from the person snapping the field goal. Very hard to check if he's over the line, on the line, or behind the line, which makes it very hard for the referee. And on the depth of the game, if there's only a second to go, the siren's gone or 30 seconds to go, whatever it is, are we going to see, and I reckon we will if it does get that, a bunker for a field goal, just to check if he's got the two points or the one. Challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I think it creates more time wastage. That was my problem. Yeah, That's I'm, my not look, I'm not looking forward to waiting and watching replays of if he's kicked it before or after the 40, where the foot is, where the ball bounces. We want to see the football. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We want to see the football. I think we've got seven other rules, so let's, let's keep Yeah, going. we have to actually roll on. <laughs> Maybe the other ones aren't as bad. Uh, the injury rule, I think that everyone's been calling for to stop the game. If you stop the game, must be substitute off the field. Yeah, you're reading it in a different order than I've got it here. Um, that's fun. Injured players must be interchanged or taken off for two minutes before they can return if a trainer asks as a match official to stop a game for an injury. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the only rules here that has fixed a problem. Mm-hmm. And that I support, yeah. Yep. Exactly, because yeah. Melbourne Storm can't have their players laying there for that long. Well, the... Which they do. <laughs> Okay, we'll just fire a bow down to the south of the border then. Oh, well, you almost well, stuffed the competition teams, up. You almost stuffed the competition up, Victoria. So, bang, there's another yeah. shot. Yeah. All right, and next you one. Go with your, you go with the one you're reading. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's going to throw us away off. Uh, six again for 10-meter infringements and professional fouls in the ruck. Um, don't like it. No, I don't like it either. They trialed this in a couple of games in the final round, and I thought it was a huge failure, but it's come through, so that's how much I know. Can you get sin binned while doing six again? <laughs> no, the referee still holds the ability to stop the game, blow a penalty, and send someone to the bit. Oh, um, but um, yeah, the way it played out, I, I didn't exactly like it on the uh, two games that it was trialed in. And I think you do need to have... Uh, at least a 10-metre offside infringement as a penalty. Yes, yeah, because yeah, you can be offside and when you've put a deep, deep kick in and you've got him a metre or two away from the try line. 
Well, what if what if one team's up by two tries with 15 minutes to go and the other team's attacking? You just keep standing offside, giving six again, six again, six again until they make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And oh. hope, hopefully the referee doesn't have the balls to put you in the bin, right? Uh, and it's if you're up by two, yeah, well, I just two, think... you'd rather give away the six again than um, a penalty. So, the post, yeah. I think in some instances it will uh, disadvantage the team that's supposed to be getting the reward. Yeah, and I agree because I was thinking more of you put the kick in deep in the end goal, near the end goal, and they get tackled a metre away from the try line. You get a few oh. good shots. You might want to stand eight or nine metres away instead of ten to get a good shot in to push them almost on the try line again until you get on top. Like You know, you definitely know you're on top. Yeah. Six more from a metre away from the try line or a penalty where you can kick the ball 30 or 40 metres down the ground. I tell you yeah. what, I'd be wanting the referee to blow the whistle so I can go down the ground. I, I'd still... like to see six again in the attacking half, but you get a penalty in the defensive half. That could work. That yeah. could work. And no six again for 10 minutes infringements ever. Ever. <laughs> mm, yep. Mm, that sounds like that sounds great. Yeah, I think that works. Mm. So we've got on the greens, three yeah. CS. <laughs> we should be on the rules committee. All right. Uh, penalty if a player breaks from the scrum. This is oh, okay. Pe- uh, sorry, I'll, I'll I'll say it completely. Penalty if a player breaks from the scrum before a referee calls break when satisfied the ball is out of the scrum. Now, I'm fifty percent supportive of this and fifty percent against this. I'll tell you why. I like the fact that the referee is calling break, even though it does sound it's going towards rugby union style, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I do like the fact that referee says break and that tells the players when they can um, leave the scrum. It's not too much of a difference with uh, what we currently have anyway. You hear in the last, what, 10, 15 years, referees scream out. Anyway, but they don't uh, ping them. So this will force players to pack in the scrum and give more opportunity for the attacking players outside of the scrum, which is what we want. So supportive of that. What I'm not supportive of is that if a player breaks from the scrum before the referee calls a break, it will be a penalty to the other team. But the other team has the option of, wait for it, packing another scrum. Oh, I didn't actually see that. Yeah. So, so they have, have to pack another scrum. So, no, they get the option. So the Bulldogs are versus Bulldogs. Are, that? So Bulldogs are versus Raiders. Raiders break early. Penalty Bulldogs because Raiders broke from the scrum early before the referee called break. The Bulldogs would have the option of saying, we'll have a scrum, thanks. Well, that would be a bit, I think, like the 2040 rule. I never well, used. Now, they've stolen this exactly uh, straight from Rugby Union because in Rugby Union, there's a tactic. So you've always been able to be able to choose to have a scrub in Rugby Union from a penalty. And there's a tactic that if uh, the other team... So in Rugby Union, you've got to hold your own body weight off the ground. And if your team falls onto the ground and can't hold their body weight up, it's a penalty to the other side. So the other side uses a tactic of repacking the scrum, and multiple penalties in the scrum will then lead to a sidbin. So in rugby union, it's a tactic to outmuscle your opposition, force them to not be able to hold their weight up, and then get a sidbin. So you get a one man advantage for 10 minutes. That's why they've brought it in here. So if one team continuously breaks before the referee says break, they will be put in the sidbin. So that's they've basically stolen that tactic that's used in rugby union, put it in rugby league. The one thing, anyway, it should be a penalty anyway if you broke early. Yeah, that's exactly right. But now you have the choice of we'll have another scrub, and then hopefully they break again so they can go to the bin. 
So we might Irony be, be Sinbin anyway. Like, it might it's not be very hard to stay in the scrum. Is Repacked. this supposed to actually quicken the game up or slow it down? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? It's yeah, doing both. I'm thinking it's going to slow it down. It's doing both because the first part of the rule will speed it up because the ball gets out of the scrum, the forward, pa- the forward pack's out of the way, the back's against the backs. It'll be a good contest. The game will flow and it'll be fast. But if we're repacking scrubs over and over again, the most boring part of rugby union, we don't want to see that in rugby league. Yeah. I think Dylan Harper might be a fan. Give him a couple <laughs> extra minutes on the field. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, next rule, play the ball restart when the ball is kicked or carried into touch. Ridiculous. Let's have... So they brought in the new scrub rule and it made scrubs less often. That's what I was thinking too when I read the actual scrum rule. So every time you say, so just correct, every time you get tackled out, you come in 10 for a play ball? Yeah, to the opposition, or if the ball goes over the sideline. So it's pretty much like touch or Oz tag, where it's the ball goes out, come in 10. Yeah, so Super League this year in England had um, no scrubs at all due to COVID. Um, so they've just basically done what the Super League have done, except we're keeping scrubs for knock-ons and forward passes. Okay, okay, got it. That makes... yeah, it's a, I don't think really... it changes too much, but like you said, you brought a scrum rule in and said, hey, let's do less scrums. Yeah. So I don't see the theory behind these two so, rules. It's like a contradicting rule. So the scrum rule itself is a contradicting rule, and then this rule contradicts that rule entirely as well. Uh, next one is handover for uh, incorrect play the balls. Don't like it. Which is ridiculous because it should be a penalty anyway. Exactly. Yeah, so, if you can't play the ball with your foot. Yeah, so now instead of it being a penalty to the defence, it will be a play the ball to the defence. Now, do you think this is because the last couple of years, the referee will be like, hey, hey, mate, you got to make sure you use your foot, use your foot, use your foot, and you see him sometimes warm players off the ball where they're like, make sure you use your foot next time, we'll make an effort yeah. with your foot. Uh, they've been scared to blow the whistle to change the game because you can randomly get an incorrect play of the ball or change the game completely. And you think it's because the referees are too scared to make the call what can turn the game on its head well, because the player can't play the ball? And that's why they've gone for a changeover, much more less risky. No, I, I don't think it is less risky. You're right with this. That, that was the rationale behind the six again. The referees are more likely to roll six again than blow a penalty that could somehow change the game even more so. Mm-hmm. But you're still handing the ball over. You're still giving the ball to the other team. So I don't see how the, this will make the referees any any more confident in doing so. Well, the only thing I think of is because you're doing a handover where it was, if you're doing quick play the ball in the other team's half, instead mm-hmm. of giving away a penalty, they can kick it down the field 30, 40 metres and be in the other team and be straight on the attack. They have to get out of their own end still. And yeah. I think referees have become a bit scared and they've warned players and they've I've seen them warn players multiple times, the same one, yeah. to make sure they use an effort with their foot because the rule says to make an effort with your foot yeah, and not use your foot. And now, Which all players know that they've got to use their foot to play the ball. Yeah, so where, why can't we actually just make it use your foot? It's not that hard to put your foot on the ball and roll it back. You get taught that in under fives, under sixes, to put your foot on it and roll it back. If you're not doing that in NRL... Should be penalised. Don't like it. Yeah, I, I see where you're getting at, but I don't think it's going to help the referees any, any more okay. than it currently does. Uh, review retained, but on-field decision will stand where a captain's challenge is inconclusive. 
Now, I think this is a bit common sense, but at the same time, I'm against Captain Challengers. I want it out of the game, so not a fan of it. No, I don't like it. I it, think it will lead to more Captain Challengers. I think if you've got inconclusive thing, it gives a video referee a chance. Those really, you know, there's been 50-50 ones this year that's been scary, and the video referee's favoured one way, and it's gone the other, and it's gone this way, it's gone that way. Teams lose it. If you cannot make a Captain Challenge, it's just like the cricket, just like the tennis, get rid of the howler. That's the idea of these challenges, right? Yeah. That was the original idea in both those sports, but now you're seeing ones where you're talking about a mill out in tennis or just missing the stumps in cricket, and they're challenging it, and that's the thing. The idea was to get rid of the howler. So if it's inconclusive, that's not a howler. That's just a referee's call. If it's inconclusive, you lose a challenge. That's my opinion. We've got to have ref, uh, so a human error yeah, in the game. It's, it's either it's either overturned or not. Yeah, uh, is what you're saying. Um, look, I, I don't reckon we should have kept the challenges. No, I don't think so. We should either. I think it's failed. Well, it's 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 still more time consuming. Yeah, so it's yeah, definitely slowing yeah. down the game. It's like, and that's slowing down the game having the captain's challenge. Yeah. Well, so I reckon scrap that. Just let the the ref and the video ref make the calls on things. Well, that's interesting because that leads into the next one. Bunker reviews will be done in the background after an on-field try is awarded, with the conversion with the conversion attempt not permitted until the bunker is satisfied that a try has been scored. Now again, fifty-fifty with this. Now if they can do this, why can't they do it on the on-field? Mm, well, if it's if it's a howler, you only need one replay. Now, yeah. I reckon that, they should only get 15, 20 seconds. Yep. If you if it looks like it's 50-50 and the referee's given it a try, yeah. yeah, be happy with it. Just go go to the goal kick. Yeah, I, I like the way they trialled it. In round 20, or round 20 um, they trialled it in a couple of games now. They had, the bunker had up until the goal conversion was attempted to uh, find a reason why the referee was wrong. I like that. Yeah, that's what I agree, because you've got that only like a 20-second window. Yeah, so they've got a chance to see the howler and overturn it. I, yeah, don't think, I... I don't think we need to have a goal kicker standing around for two minutes on the field while the bunker decides whether it's a try or not, because it kind of goes against what they're trying to fix here. What they're trying to fix here is they want the instant celebration back. They mm-hmm. want team scores in the corner, referees says try, the crowd goes up and everyone's cheering, and that feeling of... Um, celebration they want that back because at the moment they're blowing up to the video referee and that takes away from the moment a little bit but what's the difference between the referee drawing a square with his fingers and asking the bugger to look at it and waiting in the in goal area for the bugger to look at it and watching a goal kicker stand around 20 meters away from the from the try line also waiting for the bunker to decide one way or the other yeah, so if the bunker, I reckon if the bunker can't decide that the referee was incorrect by the time they get to the conversion, it should just be play on. Again, it's only there to get rid of the howler. Yeah, I agree. Like any, like if you, like I said, you watch anything in slow motion and all that thing. I agree. If it's a howler, you'll see it in one look. Like the reason I think I really believe it was brought in was the South Sydney try against Bulldogs this year, where his foot hit the line. Yeah, that was a howler. One look is all you needed to see on any angle that the foot was on the line. Yep. Foot was out. Mm. So one look you needed. One look, foot was out. That's all you needed. 
That will take five seconds. But even the fans picked that up. Yeah, the fans picked it up. But, but the, the video ref couldn't. But that's no, no, because the because well, the referee didn't go to the, the bunker. Referees said try. Yeah. The referees said try, but they trialed this rule because I think because of that game, mm. right? That's a hell. That's a classic example. But why of wasn't the... that try got sent down to the video ref? Well, you have to ask the touchy. That's... Yeah, because I'm saying a lot of our tries that we have scored always goes to the video ref. We'll have to get the stat on that. <laughs> a lot but of it's... our tries always went down to the video ref. But with that rule being used, the howler, mm. that you only need one look, right, to yeah. see that South's player put his foot out, that would only take five seconds. Yeah, First angle, bang, out, gone, bang. That's the perfect use of that rule. Now, someone having them tiptoeing down the sideline, think of Jared Hayne on Origin, when he was on the, around the halfway line, if you can remember that try, where he tiptoed. Yeah, of course. Uh, think of Ben Barber scoring maybe against Newcastle back in 2011 when he almost broke his neck. Yeah. Um, those type of looks will take the three minutes, the four minutes to actually check it, right? Yeah. So you have to eliminate the howler. So the referee says try. Yeah, move on. You have to be obvious that it's not. And I think with like the challenge rule before and every other sport, the challenge rule has been used strategically and actually not what it's designed to actually use for it for. Because I've seen people in NRL this year, people just chucking the challenge because the forwards are a little bit tired. Yeah. I only, I only like the challenge in tennis. <laughs> Okay, why? <laughs> because it just shows you what actually happened and it doesn't predict what's going to happen and it doesn't slow the game down. It's true. It's true. It's anyway, eight new NRL rules. One I agree with, two I 50% support, and the rest I'm completely against. Well, that's a positive rule change. Apparently, Peter Villani's changed this because of letters being written to him. Yeah, one letter sent a... I think he used a typewriter and sent a message into Peter Volandis by something called The Post. Not sure what that is. Um, it's a bit of outdated technology. We've got and, Kelly, uh, who's been a fan of the Bulldogs <laughs> since 1976. <laughs> She's watched the great Steve Mortimer. This is the two-point field goal. Yeah. Come through. She'll know about The Post. We can't just insult a guest <laughs> on the show. We can't bring him in to smack him down. Uh, I, I think the, I think Greg Inglis is the one that uh, said in the one, or maybe Terry Lowe. Terry, <laughs> ah. does he actually have an email? Both uh, Terry Lowe kicked the field goal behind by two points at Belmore one day, and Greg Inglis tried to do the same. Anyway, I think we should wrap up. Well, before we go for this year, we've had some fun, and you know we've had some special guests on our show. You can go back and listen to we had some a few special guests. Lynn Edison at the start of the year, Steve Allen, Adam Perry, Barry Ward on the show this year. It's been a big year for our podcast. Uh, you want to get in touch with us for next year in 2021, give us a follow at NRL Bulldogs Fans. That's our Twitter page. Our Instagram page is at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans. You can find us on Facebook. Someone please like us. Kelly joined us on Facebook, and that's how she got into the, the podcast. So thankfully it is working a little bit. NRL Bulldogs fans podcast on Facebook, like, follow for us. You want to uh, flick us an email, not a post, an email for those people. We don't actually have a post box. At Oh, sorry, it's nrlbulldogs.fans at gmail.com. That is a wrap for 2020. Have a safe and happy Christmas. Merry and, Christmas. Uh, yes, but I don't care. Have a safe Christmas, safe uh, breakaway. Enjoy the break. Enjoy the festive season. Um, see you in 2021. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone who's listening to the show. And thanks, Kelly, for joining us. And thank you both, Matthew and Scott, for having me on.